Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 630. Science Faction, best Alzheimer's drug yet. And what has COVID done to our personalities? Well, the best Alzheimer's drug, I always thought, you know, that was one, you know, like that's actually one of the cool things about palliative care is how Mm -hmm. they acknowledge. First off, if you guys don't know anything about palliative care, if you have a loved one who's who's elderly and dying, really research it. There's great hospices and it just kind of makes the whole death process easier for everybody. One of the advantages to doing that is that uh, depending upon where you live, uh, on your way out, you could be getting some some of the best drugs, like like better than any any better than the b- drug guy at at, uh, at at Berkeley. Yeah, you get like that name brand aspirin, like not the cheap Safeway brand aspirin <laughs> that you used to get shoved down your throat. No, you you get the good stuff. No, you get like super powerful. Like I believe a lot of them have hallucinogenics, so you get like really good, like you know, lab tested mushrooms. Uh, the same for like pot and stuff. Oh, I got medical cocaine. This is great. <laughs> I'm never gonna die. Hey, you know what? Send you to a restaurant, Bobby. Here's the thing. All meat. Fuck Fogo de Chao. American style. All the whole barbecue. All right, cancer. You want to beat me now? I'm gonna beat you. Now it's me versus you, cancer. I got cocaine. What do you got, cancer? Because it ain't cocaine. It ain't gonna help you. Uh, and then he, uh, in the in the video, Bobby was seen pouring cocaine into the cancer site. I don't know, put, pouring it into his chemo drug. Uh, in unrelated news, Bobby Bobby is well and doing very well at his uh, stock trading firm. He's a lot of energy. He's killed it on Wall Street. Oh, and speaking of the Wall Street of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian, money man, Mr. Robert Timothy. And with me is the guy who is all about the business, our comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? That's right, bro. That's right, bro. I'm all about the business. You know what? what, what the, in fact, I'm glad you brought up Wall Street. That's one of the saddest movies of all time. At the end, when the guy loses money, broke my heart. I was like, what if that was me, bro? But that's never me. I play the game fast and loose. Never be me, bro. I just invested. I just invested my whole nut in Truth Social. You know the Trump thing. And if you want to be on the next big thing, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon. But for now, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. I want to bring this up uh, real fast before we get started. Uh, we're actually recording uh, in a, well in advance, recording two episodes because uh, I'm having a surgery. And so That's true. Uh, one of the consequences of the surgery, as I have stated before, is that my voice You may are going to be busty as fuck, but your lower back will take <laughs> on a lot more pain on a day-to-day basis. It's worth it. In my opinion, totally worth it. You know what? I'm I'm altering the Zoom camera so you don't get to see my busty chest after this. <laughs> It's going to be all forehead. That's going to be the low point. It's just going to be like a boomer's ca- uh, Facebook uh, FaceTiming you. It's just going to be all forehead. Um, <laughs> Damien, good news. We got the studio up and running again. So I was thinking like, you know, uh, uh, I've I put it out there that I have doing this and I might sound different. What yeah. if, and, and I'm, and I'm putting, I was like, Damien, you, you, you put this out there. You naive fool. You've put this yeah. information out there for the supervillain Bobby. To start planning. Yeah. 
this might be the perfect time for you to recast me as somebody else. Like, oh, David, you sound a lot different. <laughs> I just I just bring in, like, Terry Crews, and I'm like, oh, Damien, how you doing? And he's like, I'm fine. You know what, uh, uh, Damien, uh, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, uh, yes, 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 it's me, Terry Crews. And I would like to say that after the surgery, I, mean, and I, I sound like this. I would like to go by Terry Crews from now on. Is that okay, Bobby? <laughs> so continuity-wise, the story could just keep going forward. Also, oh, I suffered geez. some sort of amnesia during the surgery, so don't expect me to understand any jokes that take place before this episode. I don't want to tee myself up for prank of the century or anything, but this is also an opportunity for you to just come out, regardless of how, like, the surgery is just normal, maybe makes it, like, a slight difference, but it doesn't matter, and then you just come out and be like, hey, guys! And to see how long you can pull that off. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you mentioned this because I haven't mentioned this to my wife and I can't. But as soon as I'm done with the surgery, I'm just going to start talking like this. <laughs> Pretend hey, like babe. you don't know the difference. Oh my God, is this how I sound? Oh. Who's going to want to date a sultry voice like this? Something sexy. Yes, in the vein of Alec Baldwin. This this reminds me. Uh, this is a, a tangent, but I gotta I gotta bring this up. So this reminds me of something that that I tried to pull off about ten years ago, which is um, since I was a young child who got bit by a dog in the face, I have had a very noticeable lip scar. It actually like my lip when I was younger was actually at like two different angles, like uh, because the, the, it was such a bad scar and so badly healed. It happened to me when I was five. So the entire time Damien has known me since we were kids, I have had this scar. I lived my entire life with it. All of our friends knew it. And then eventually, Bobby was born with a cleft lip, and then invented this elaborate <laughs> lie to cover up the scar that he had when I met him. So eventually, uh, like I'm in some consultation, and the insurance guy's like, "Oh, this is actually keeping you from like forming uh, your lip completely around. That's why you like dribble stuff out when you drink coffee sometimes and stuff. You know, you, the insurance will cover this now." And I was like, "Oh, okay, let's get well, it you fixed." You can't say the word dwarf. Yes. He's like, let's get it fixed. Uh, go for it. He goes, okay, sweet. And they get, went through the consultations and the person's like, listen, it's not 100%, but like we got it way better with scars. So there's like a 30% chance that when we're done with this, there will be no scar. It'll be completely invisible. Now you'll go through like a month or so of having to heal and stuff after the surgery. Uh, but there is a chance that 30 days uh, after your surgery, you may have zero scars for the rest of your life. And the normal person would be like, oh, no more facial scars. Maybe I can get laid more or something. But me, I immediately started thinking of a prank, which is if I can keep <laughs> this surgery secret, which is difficult because I actually live with one of my group of friends. But if I can keep this surgery secret from my group of friends for 30 days, have the surgery, cover up the recovery, then cover up seeing them for 30 days, which was also difficult because we were in our early 20s. So we all saw each other, you know, eight times a week. If I can do that, then I can get somebody to like a makeup artist to put a fake scar on me that looks exactly like my old scar. And I had a whole system, I had a whole plan set up where I was going to confront somebody who claimed to have magic powers. I was going to mock them. Then they were going to say like, oh yeah, and reach up and wipe off the makeup that was a scar that all my friends who have known me knew I had for 20 plus years. And then I just looked perplexed like what the fuck happened and how do you explain that what what is the ability of anybody who is watching that to explain it with anything other than magic and let me tell you I went to extreme links again I lived with one of my buddies all my buddies were over at my house all the time that meant that I had to cover up the surgery that meant that for 30 days when I had bandages on my face I would do things like just glancingly walk by when they were in the house holding a mug of coffee up to my face <laughs> to cover up the surgery and bandages I even went out with them one time to a, a festival we all went to I got 
got there early, found a face painter, and had them paint my face like a dog so that I covered up the scars and the problems. I went through all of this to eventually do it. Turns out I was not part of the 30% after all of that, and after all of that, it it wasn't necessarily worthwhile, but would have been probably the greatest prank of all time. The worst part of that story is that you need an excuse to paint your face like a dog. Like, you need it to be yeah. some part of some nefarious <laughs> plan, Bobby. Just fucking live a little, man. Paint your face. You misheard me. I painted my face like dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were saying the N-word a lot that day. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You got permission to say it via your character. I didn't realize that face paint had cut such had come such a long way that you could depict such a grizzled, leathered face. But man, this is a very good artist. You're a Caucasian blonde guy who currently has long blonde hair. It's you're not that far off if you wanted to cosplay as dog this year. Your son would forever grow up knowing his his dad was Dog the Bounty Hunter. Sorry to distract, but that's a memory. <laughs> Oh, dear. Article number one. First Alzheimer's drug may be real. That's awesome. I mean, uh, all jokes aside, Alzheimer's is a living fucking nightmare. Uh, One of my greatest fears, I have, uh, you know, it's just yourself slowly slipping away. Yes. In some ways, it's scarier than a stroke, which is also an incredible fear. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a horrible way to go. It's it's incredibly common. We don't like to talk about it. It's like the fifth or sixth leading cause of death in the United States. Now, this isn't the first actual drug. We talked about it last year. There was a, a drug release that was a monoclonal antibody drug. For That was the first ever technical Alzheimer's drug, but it shows little to no actual effectiveness. Very, very difficult to gauge. This is the first one that is, looks like it has actually shown a decent amount of effectiveness, even though that's still a small overall number. So let's talk about it. The drug is called Lacanamab, which I think is actually also the name of one of uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter's kids. I think it's <laughs> Leland Lacanamab. <laughs> it's okay. I was given permission to use that name by a drug company. <laughs> <laughs> so Lacanamab is a monoclonal antibody designed to clear clumps of protein from the brain that some researchers believe is the root of Alzheimer's disease. So to discuss this, we're going to have to discuss what Alzheimer's is again. We've reviewed it a few times. We'll just go over it really quickly. Really common brain disorder. We don't know what causes it, and we don't know what causes all the problems that are in the brain that we see as dementia and and all of this other stuff. What we do know is that brains of people who have Alzheimer's, that the characteristic of it are these amyloid beta plaques that build up in the brain. Some researchers believe those plaques are the cause of Alzheimer's disease. They are building up and causing all of the symptoms we see. Others believe that those plaques are the result of something else, some neurological condition that is causing both the symptoms and those plaques. So the difference between causation correlation, that is one of those things that is a legitimate scientific controversy. There are top researchers on either side. This is not creationism. There are top researchers on either side that are putting forth the idea that it's the beta plaques. No, it's not. It's these tau proteins. No, it's not. It's some other third thing. And these are just, this is such a unknown at this point that these are all very feasible and scientifically supported hypotheses. All of all three of those. Thank you. That's, and by, you know, that's, it's insane, but like, that's, that's literally as boring as what, and, and as useful as what like yes. scientific controversies really are. Yes. Uh, very important things. But uh, I wanted to, to ask you, Bobby, what sure. when they named this what was the name of this drug? Lacanamab. Okay, now I know when they name a lot of species of things, they tend to use Latin. 
That's that's yes. the that's the the preferred word thing. That's the theme. I feel like if it's such a lot of these are done by private companies, they you know they can. Yes. Sa- why not name something that rolls off the tongue? Something that sounds a little sweeter. Like no, this is this was what they intended. It was created by Dog the Bounty Hunter's son, Lacanamap. I mean, he <laughs> named it after himself. Oh, they're not just self-aggrandizing, man. I'm- <laughs> yeah, oh, it's totally. It's oh, that's, totally. Just, that's just gaudy. That's like like a, like a Trump foot vaccine or something. It- but if you could go back in time and name like Viagra after yourself, that would be pretty cool, right? Like if 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 soft dudes always talked about popping a Damien, like that would be a that'd be a nice feather in your cap, right? What if uh you know we actually curse somebody later on in the timeline? Somebody really offends us, and uh, we go back in time and name the toilet after them. So they're the John or the Lou, like somebody <laughs> named John or Lou from our future, and so we're the ones who made that happen. Yeah, it turns out that was just a mistake of time travel, a prank of time travel. <laughs> just like it, you, one of the most dignified names on Earth used to be like Shithead, but we went back <laughs> in time. and <laughs> King Shithead of the Shithead Dynasty? <laughs> shithead Weatherington III of the British Shitheads is now incredibly offended. Yeah, further, yeah, you know what? I know what that word is. It's, it's shit. That's the word, it's shit, and like, yeah, we, we totally hijacked. Uh, yeah, uh, to, to answer your question, if there actually was one, is, you know, these are name brand things. They just name whatever they want, whatever it sounds good. Viagra, it sounds like you got vivaciousness in there, blah, 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 blah. When you hear the actual chemical compound, that will be the name that tells you what that thing is actually made of, the molecular structure of it, or to some extent, the molecular structure of it. And that is why, you know, usually you'll have a drug name and then and then you'll have the name of the chemical or they, the compound. Okay, so they have a name. They have like a business letter to the the, the field, yeah. a uh, field yeah, journal, right. and they have uh, something for the dummies. I gotcha. Okay. Yes. So effectiveness for this drug was at 27%, which doesn't sound high until you compare it to the alternatives, which is next to 0%, because we don't actually have drugs for Alzheimer's disease, save that one previous monoclonal antibody, which is much less effective than this. The effect, however, is tiny. It is really small, so small that it's hard to tell if this drug is even working. What it is doing, though, is clearing those amyloid plaques out of the brain. Now, those who believe in the amyloid hypothesis, meaning that those amyloid beta plaques, they're the cause of the neurological dysfunction, they see this as, you know, if this goes in there, clears out those plaques, these monoclonal antibodies clear out those plaques, then we're going to see a lessening of the symptoms. Those who think that that's just causational correlational, they're going to say, you might see a little bit of lessening of symptoms because you're clearing out a couple of those plaques, but the main issue is not going to be solved. Right now, it seems like those people might be right. The The correlational group might be right because we are seeing a small but statistically significant difference with the monoclonal antibody treatment, which may be possibly indicative of a condition in which those plaques were not helping. They were causing a little problem, but they are not the main source of the problems. Now, maybe we will see as we got better at knocking out these plaques that they are the main source of the problems and we just needed better drugs to do so. But for now, we at least have something and and i gotta i gotta admit like in the in the battle against alzheimer's disease this is not a aircraft carrier roaming the high seas this is a sharpened stick uh that is still a little bit blunted and we're gonna try and poke it right like we are we are at small levels of effectiveness small levels of of impact uh this, this is not this not a wonder drug this isn't gonna save anything but 
we're at least on the road. And more importantly, how it helps these people will help us tell what is going on with Alzheimer's disease. If we find out that clearing out all these plaques completely erases Alzheimer's, well, then that will probably answer our questions. But if we continue to see that it has small effects, small measurable effects, but nothing huge, it might indeed be hinting at us that those people are right, that the plaques are not the cause of Alzheimer's disease itself. Uh, when when one of these drugs works or you, they see some results, do the chemists back in the lab like zero in on this formula and just start making like minor tweaks? Is that like, all right, yes. we're on the road. We, how do we get more? How do we maximize plaque disruption? Uh, nowadays, more and more, they don't even have dudes who are who are looking at, oh, how do we modify this or anything? More and more, we're actually using AI that then says, oh, here is the chemical structure that made this result. What do we think might improve those results or change those results? And the AI can actually suggest the compounds that you should make to try. Yeah, nobody ever, nobody ever talks about the good thing Skynet did. Nobody ever yeah. talks about the cancer drug Skynet found. Mm -hmm. They just talk about the one time he eradicated humanity. Also, I've seen the videos from post-Skynet. You know what else he erad eradicated? The obesity epidemic in America. All right, did you see one fat future soldier running around with John Connor? No, they were all lean and cut fighting the robots. Yes, they, uh, they, uh, uh, surviving on dog meat and roasted rats on a stick uh, has made them, uh, has given them a, a warrior's, like truly, uh, like, like almost like a, uh, like a Chris Hemsworth body, but, you know, more lean, less bulky. Very, very interesting stuff. It'll be interesting to see how further follow-up studies go. I mean, this one went uninterrupted for 18 months. And again, the decline was super, super tiny. But again, we got something. Once you have something, you can build off of it. You can do something, like you said, slightly better, maybe a few molecules off and increase, increase, and more importantly, figure out what the actual underlying cause of the Alzheimer's is, which is going to help us fix it in the long run. Super, super interesting stuff. Can't wait to see where that goes. Article number two. The psychological effects of the pandemic on young people. Um, yeah, seeing your parents walk around in their underwear all the time, just all like on a, every school day. Dude, I, I made this as a joke, but I, I actually stand by this now. I think a huge effect of the pandemic was getting people to dump their loser, like, dad slash husbands way earlier because there are dudes who would have just gone to, off to the office and come back home and been an asshole, but they were tolerable because they were out of the house eight hours a day and they were doing their things and then quarantine stuck and they got stuck home and the kids got stuck home at the same time and those assholes started going on fucking info wars and learning about, you know, like, vaccine denialism and stuff <laughs> and, and, and just annoyed the <laughs> shit out of their families who finally kicked them out after January 6th who otherwise would have just dealt with their half-assed bullshit for the next 30 years. I think one of the few benefits of the pandemic, I think we accelerated the breakup of shitty marriages. Yes. Agreed. Uh, that was that was the thing with me and my wife. You know, we think we did very well. We think it really, like, solidified right. our relationship. And uh, yeah. we found out we do, we do very well as, like, shut-ins. Like, if this is, like, an Inception yes. world. You know, like, like, you know, like, if you've seen the movie Inception... Uh, where like it's it's one of the plot points is they go super deep and they stay forever yeah. in this in this dream world just two people and I was like oh my god imagine go like if I went there with my ex wife that'd be hell yes. that'd be literal. oh my goodness I, I would come out the bitterest person from that yes. thousand year dream. Yes. And, and I feel like she would, too, because even though she would have the thousand years, it wouldn't be enough time to st say horrible things to you. Like she would still she'd come out and be like, ah, oh, I forgot to get him about that. Ah, <laughs> let's go back in. Another thousand years. She does it to spite me, like tricks me into another thousand years of fucking 
<laughs> she's nice for the last year. Just just for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she needs me to sign the divorce papers and uh, and just be cool about everything. So. so this is a really interesting article about how the pandemic has impacted normal personality development in young adults. So really quickly, we'll review personality traits and what is called the big five personality traits. They're usually divided up into openness to experience, which includes aspects such as intellectual curiosity, creative imagination, how willing you are to try new things. Then they have conscientiousness, which is things like organization, productiveness, responsibility, accountability. Then there's extroversion, which is how sociable you are, how assertive you are, and is seen usually as a opposite of introversion uh, and all the qualities that go with that. Then there's agreeableness, which is how much compassion you have, respectfulness, trust in others, ability to get along with others. And lastly, neuroticism, which is things like anxiety and depression, focusing on negative thoughts over and over again, constant loops of negative things in your head. So we have divided personality that way for a long time. Now, to be fair, there are other ways to divide personality other than the big five, but we've used the big five for a long fucking time. So it's a, it's a nice way to, to kind of have con continuity over time. So a study looked at those big five personality traits and they looked at them starting with a group of people who had taken those before the pandemic hit. So they had a bunch of people who had already taken these tests. So they were able to, to kind of look back and, and have them take follow-up tests after the pandemic and then be able to get an idea of changes that happened. Well, here's some quotes from the article. People tend to become more conscientious and agreeable and less neurotic with age, a process known as psychological maturation. So basically, as time goes on, uh, people tend to become more organized, more productive, more responsible, more accountable for themselves and their own actions. They also become more compassionate, more respectful, better able to work with other people, uh, less openly hostile, and they get less anxious and depressed and have uh, elements of that neuroticism as they go on. Back to the article. But in the United States, the pandemic seems to have reversed that personal personality trajectory, especially among adults under 30 years old. This survey looks at how attitudes and behaviors in the country changed in response to major events, such as the 2020 presidential election and the ongoing pandemic. Among those surveyed, roughly 7,000 people, ranging in age from 18 to 109, took a personality inventory at least once in the six years prior to the pandemic and once during the pandemic. Based on those responses, neuroticism overall in the United States dropped slightly in 2020 during the first year of the pandemic. That finding mirrors what researchers found with different data sets two years ago when they reported that neuroticism declined in adults during the first six weeks of the pandemic. But the new findings indicate that data from 2021 and 2022, which show the dip was fleeting. The initial dip was probably due to the sense of solidarity that emerged in the health crises earlier months, along with people attributing their worries to a crisis rather than their own internal state. In the second year, all of that support fell apart. Similarly, conscientiousness and agreeableness scores also declined among middle-aged adults in 2021 and early 2022, but the drop wasn't nearly as steep as the one observed among young adults. So what we saw is that 
one, we saw a continuation of increased neuroticism and, and, and decreased conscientiousness and agreeableness among those in the age group that are usually going in the opposite direction. And that transition is something that we consider an important part of becoming an adult, becoming psychologically mature, is that transition away from neuroticism and more towards agreeableness and more towards conscientiousness as somebody grows up. If we're seeing a system in which that is not the case, in which, you know, young people, because of one element or another of the pandemic, are not following the normal course of personality maturation, you know, what does that indicate for the future? What does that indicate for our ability to get along with each other as time goes on? What does that indicate in terms of, you know, how hard it will be for that generation to make that time up? Because as some researchers point out in this article, maybe this is something where we've all been locked away in the pandemic for a couple of years and we just need to get out and socialize more. But maybe that's not a panacea. Maybe that'll be fine for some groups of people, but maybe there are certain developmental milestones that you need to be around those social groups. And if you're not, then you miss out on that time for Forever. And as they point out, like, you can never get your senior year back, you know, so if you were in your senior year during COVID, and you lost that time, if you lost part of your important college yeah. experience, all that stuff, you're not going to get it back. Yeah, I mean, I've, one of the best memories I have, uh, you know, in my life is is the my my senior year playing, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word, starring in high school football. And um <laughs> Listen, I'm not some smug asshole who will rub in your face, Bobby, that I broke both the single-game sack record and the seasonal sack record with six sacks in a game and 17 sacks in a season. I'm not the type of person who would brag about shattering that record at our high school. All right? No, you shouldn't You shouldn't I would, uh, brag I would. about that. Just like I, I wouldn't brag about being a, a junior who was on the varsity academic league team who was the starting physics guy as a junior i wouldn't brag about that or point out that your letterman jacket was essentially just a, a prop compared to mine okay and i wouldn't point out that you comparing your uh record as a a, a, a high school jeopardy contestant uh against my actual uh physical prowess no physical dominance i feel like le- I, I would be disrespectful to my performance if i just said it's it's a very physical sport academically you have to hit the buzzer faster than anyone else it's the most physical sport many people argue hmm. more physical more physical than all the defensive touchdowns that i scored or uh, again all these sack records that i was breaking when you scored those touchdowns did you did you manage to hit the buzzer faster than eight other people because i did if I'm being honest, if I'm being respectful to the performance, I will say that I've been told afterwards by uh, coaches and even rival teams that my celebration dances were transformative. So if you miss your high school football, you're like, yeah. Damien, then you come up some kind of narcissistic asshole. Yeah. Listen, I can't tell you how much weaker of a person I'd be if I couldn't, if I, I mean, honestly, it'd be great to not have to bring up all these, these great accolades that I have, something that makes me less of a mortal and more of a, a legend. Uh, in, in the eyes of others, especially you. I see the way you look at me, Bobby. I would love to level the playing field and not have some some mark of excellence that happened to me in my senior year. Now, I do think about this a lot, though. I think about these long-term psychological effects of, you know, the pandemic. You know, we we grew up with a generation of grandparents who were still, you know, doing weird shit like putting cash in holes in the drywall and plastering it up because they didn't trust banks because of the Depression. You know, like, and that was something that was a relic from, you know, 70 years before we were, 60 or 70 years before we were born. And, and I wonder what this is going to do to this generation. You know, will, will the grandkids of today 
today's 20-year-olds or something, will they be talking about how weird their parents are and how adjusted and noticeable they have personality differences because during those two formative years where they should have been socializing the, and learning how to develop that emotional maturity, they weren't, and that fucked them up permanently the same way it fucked up the generation that was raised in the 1930s, shoving all their money in coffee cans under the mattress. I would argue, I've argued that a uh, here's something that I think future generations are going to comment on is, um, you know, you and I, Bobby, uh, matured, went to our, we graduated in 2002 yeah. in Southern California, and I can say that in a time when I would say, you know, be it in, in media in every way, the, the things that were rewarded, but empathy was at an all time low in our culture. Like, like we were like, I mean, I can speak about our humor, our young guy humor. But I will say that, like, you know, for example, like, I, I think the the stars that were promoted in society, the Simon Cowles, the, the, these highly controversial figures, now I think, you know, I think the, the younger generation doesn't get off on the negativity that you and I got off. You and I were, were, sure. were very negative, funny people, we thought, but like, but like, sure. you know, we were, we, we certainly uh, had a very harsh sense of humor. Yeah. And I think, I, I now that I attribute to, you know, who uh, us being young men, but yeah. Um, but no, it, it, it certainly is place dependent. But at the same time, we got to go through the same process that everybody else got to go through. We got to go through the same maturation process. We get to hit the same milestones. And frankly, there's there's a group of people who who didn't get to hit those milestones. And and it's that's incredibly sad. I can't I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to miss out on your senior year or miss out on your let's say it was your senior year of college or something, some huge time in your life. I, I, my heart goes out to those people. It must be horrible. But at the same time, you must all you got to also think, man. I wonder if that's going to have really long-lasting impacts to our society through the medium of altered personalities in people who didn't get to hit those milestones that we were able to hit. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the what the quote-unquote boomer memes are when they are the yeah. boomer of their time. Sure. You know, like what, what they're called. Uh, for us, by the way, the reason, the reason I brought up that story was just because I think we will be looked at as a generation as like unempathetic assholes like sure. <laughs> to, to everybody who kind of comes after us. I mean, go watch the movie Wall Street and realize that was one of the biggest movies of the 80s. And you'll be like, oh, my God, this was written by soulless monsters, you know, like. Yes, completely agree. Uh, but very, very interesting. I, I mean, anecdotally, I, I guess I could say I've seen bits of this. You know, I teach an undergrad class every year and I, I've seen kind of like a, a noticeable rise in things like neuroticism. And like, I guess to me, that seems like it's somewhat called for. Of course, you'd be slightly more neurotic uh, and have higher anxiety and depression in a time where, you know, death is a real thing that's sitting outside your door and it's coughing, you know? Like, of course, that makes sense to me. The, the question I have is whether or not that's going to end up being a long-term trend or just, you know, this is wartime. We got our wartime faces on, but once it fixes up, we're all going to be good. Or are we coming out of this with PTSD? Yeah. Hey, sorry, bro. I heard you talk about Wall Street earlier saying it was written by monsters. Yeah, bro. It's written by monsters. Some sort of minotaur, bro. Because he's half man, half bull in the market, bro. And so he's just going to take your returns and get you a better ROI than anybody else out there, bro. Sorry. I think there needs to be more Wall Streets out there. End of story. I loved Wolf of Wall Street up until the very end where they try to get all preachy and shit. Oh, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 630, where you learned all about how we might have our first effective Alzheimer's drug, even if it's not that effective, and how COVID changed personality types. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 631. Listen, Bobby, if I'm being honest, and I'm trying to be humble here, I'm trying my best, 
I think I know why a lot of these kids will be neurotic is because they know deep down they were robbed of the opportunity to even compete with my legendary sack record. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. Mm-hmm.